Hey, and welcome to another episode of the Houdat Jedi podcast. And um, we are broadcasting, as always, from various parts of the New Orleans metro area. I am in Gentilly. Dave is uptown. Fredo, you are in Kenner, bruh. Yeah, deep in the bowels yeah. of Kenner. <laughs> That's where you are today. Um, but then we have a special guest with us tonight, Eric Redding, and we'll talk more about, you know, where you can find him online and stuff like that. But he is joining us tonight, and he is in Florida. So um, what part of Florida are you in, Eric? I am actually in Stewart, Florida, and it's on the East Coast. And you can find us about two hours south of Orlando and about two hours north of Miami. We kind of get the best of both worlds. Just got to travel a little bit. But we're uh, what we call the Treasure Coast area. So it's like Stewart, Vero Beach. Um, you hear Palm City. Those are the cities known as what we call the Treasure Coast. So is that like affordable Florida? Is that what it is? Like uh, <laughs> Palm City is a little pricier. Vera's a little pricier. Stewart as well. It's a little bit. And there's pockets here and there like all over our country. But there are pockets here and there where it can get a little pricey. Yes. Yeah. I, uh, like I said, we're talking offline. I've got a friend who lives in Palm City. And uh, she's a pastor there. And she seems to like it a whole lot. Uh, of course, if you lived in Nebraska for, you know, 40 some years and you move to the south, you know, it is wonderful. So <laughs> um, you don't mind the heat. Uh, so anyway, um, yeah, today, uh, as we're recording this, we're recording this on July 1st, and I have to be very um, self-serving here. It is my wife's birthday. Um, so I have the best wife in the world who's letting me record a um, Star Wars podcast on her birthday. Um, but there is another birthday that is more pertinent to the Star Wars universe. Do you all know whose birthday it is today? This is not part of trivia, but do you know who shares a birthday with my wife? Anybody? Is it Gina Carano? <laughs> no, it is not. It is Darth Vader himself, David Prowse. He is 85 years old today. Wow. Um, and he, uh, it's funny, there was a time when he would sign things. I believe I have something signed by him that says David Prowse is Darth Vader. So, um, yeah, I think what, is it true that George Lucas, like, banned him from from Star Wars things? Yeah, but, he, um, he banned him. He had a big falling out with George before, and I heard he doesn't do a lot of shows. Oh, and now he's older. But back in the day when he was younger, he wouldn't do a lot of shows because of that. And there were a lot of, a lot of bitterness throughout the years between him and George. Well, I know I got it. I got him. Uh, he signed stuff for me at uh, a convention in Omaha and then also at uh, Star Wars Celebration in Indianapolis, Celebration 2, I think. So, and uh, I think I got my picture taken with him and stuff like that. So, yeah. I, it's pretty well known that he's that he wanted to be unmasked in Return of the Jedi um, and George cast somebody else in that role. Well, nobody did the math on any of this because we shouldn't have had Sebastian Shaw, really, um, if you want to do the math. Because for crying out loud, you know, Anakin was like, what, 10 years younger than Obi-Wan? So we shouldn't have had wrinkly old man. We should have had, you know, but hey, whatever. It is what it is. Um, we now have Hayden Christensen. What'd you say, Fredo? We kind of lost you there. <laughs> now saying it's okay. We now have Hayden Christensen. Well, with the yeah. ghost thing, yeah. Yeah, the ghost thing. That was just kind of that's kind of awkward and creepy as well. So, uh, <laughs> so let's just insert David Prowse into the uh, the ghost scene at the end. You know, that'll make everyone happy. I think maybe I don't know. 
<laughs> I, you know, I still I still like the outtakes where you hear him speaking the lines. Oh, and it's, you know, in that thick, like Scottish accent, you know, it's it it almost sounds like fat bastard, you know, telling <laughs> Princess Leia where to go. You know? <laughs> so uh, I always compare it to Darth Helmet. He sounds like Darth Helmet to me. Oh, and that was another thing that's been great. You know, the internet is great for so many things. And I think Fredo shared it first and then I stole it. And then it's been stolen by so many other people. But somebody went through and took a whole Spaceballs uh, montage and linked it to the COVID, you know, and opening up and wearing masks and stuff like that. It's just, it is absolutely hilarious and, and absolutely perfect as well. So, um but yeah, so that was that was one of the joys of social media this week. Yes, we're gonna have to go right to ludicrous speed. <gasps> ludicrous speed, sir. We've never gone that fast before. I don't know if the ship can take it. What's the matter, Colonel Sanders? Chicken. So, um, but uh, anyway, so yeah. Well, hey, well, let's uh, move on to the uh, the show proper, and. Uh, we've all, as always, we're going to start with trivia to get our brains warmed up for star wars you know if you're a teacher you have um you know the the first thing you do in in any lesson is it's actually called well sometimes they call it the bell ringer um but it, you know just it just to get you warmed up for the lesson so that's what we're going to do with trivia and um we'll start with dave tonight we never start with our special guests we want them to sweat a little bit um so dave who does Qui-Gon counsel to be, quote, mindful of the living force? The uh, counsel's Obi-Wan Kenobi. Ding, 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 ding. It is Obi-Wan Kenobi. That was one of those things in the prequels that we kind of we we got gypped out of as to what the living force, you know, just the difference, you know, what they're all talking about. I think here's, been... here's where I plug Master and Apprentice again. It's, which we learned, we we learned last night that the author of which lives in New Orleans. I know, right? <laughs> Not things to send you never knew. To her house, but yeah, it's like yeah, I didn't know that. Yeah, I didn't know that. Yeah, we have uh, three Star Wars authors living in the New Orleans area. We got uh, Claudia Gray. We have um, Brittany Williams and Daniel Jose Older. So wow. Yeah. So, uh, all right. So now we're moving on to Fredo, and you might need to move your microphone closer to you. Um, who does Anakin Skywalker accuse of bringing Obi Wan to kill him? Hmm. Thinking, thinking. I'm thinking it's Padme Amidala. Yeah. Way to go with both names. That is right. It's Padme Amidala. Very good. We're two for two so far. All right, Eric, you're next. Um, what large beasts are seen grazing on Tatooine not far from the parked Naboo Royal Starship? Large beasts grazing. Uh, not far from the parked Naboo Royal Starship. I'm going to go with... That's probably wrong. I'm going to go with a dewback. You are right. It is a dewback, and actually, oh, I was yes. I was going to go with Bantha. That I was my second guess. It was either Bantha or Dewback. So, I I well, I, I, I would have been wrong. So there we go. All right. So um, 
Well, the first one I looked at, I got to go with it. It's what Gungan gives Jar Jar Binks a ride during the final battle on Naboo. We've talked about this guy before. It is Captain Tarples with a P, not Tarples. Otherwise, he would have gotten a ride with a big Wookiee because <laughs> we can't come up with new names in the Star Wars universe. Um, uh, by the way, sorry, Total Squirrel moment. I watched the latest episode of uh, Jedi Temple Challenge, and they did another fart joke. All episode right. Five, they do another fart joke, and it's like, uh, you know. I saw it today, too. I caught, I caught that, too. And then the poor kid, not to get off topic, but the, the poor kids didn't quite make it to the end. They, they ran out like two seconds left or something like that. So, Yeah, no kidding. It was, well... When uh, I'm sorry, as the teacher, I'm going, she clearly told you to put the thing in the top right. So put it in the top right, follow instructions. But anyway, no, it was, uh, but no, yeah, they were, they were like uh, two steps away from getting their kyber crystals and then running out. And it was like, wah, wah, wah. So uh, yeah, there was, but yeah, another fart joke. And I'm just, I, I wouldn't mind, again, this show is made for little kids, so it's not made for 47-year-old Aaron, but I wouldn't mind if that droid got caught in an airlock and just (laughs) spun out of space, you know? Um, So, anyway. Um, But, yeah, all right. Well, trivia is done. We all did did pretty well, so everybody give yourselves a round of applause. We might be able to take on Olivia one day. (laughs) Um, <laughs> and we were very prequel heavy tonight too and we was prequel well. heavy was and uh so yeah so uh let's uh, move on fredo do we have any exciting news going on in the star wars universe came out earlier this week that we're gonna get a whole series of books based on the mandalorian uh starting with the art of the mandalorian season one so you're gonna get all that art by doug chiang that everybody loves comes out again um, uh, in the fall. There's going to be an original novel, adult, you know, adult theme, based on The Mandalorian by Adam Christopher. And then you're going to get a whole series of books aimed at all ages, all reading levels. Uh, there's going to be a comic book series from Marvel. Um, so yeah, there, there's even going to be a little golden book. So it looks like uh, Lucas, uh, Disney and Lucasfilm have recognized that everybody's going to want even more Mandalorian come the fall. Right on. Yeah, no, that'll be cool. Um, it seems like Lucasfilm is kind of um, reigniting the whole, you know, they're just or replenishing their book uh, repository, if you will. I mean, with uh, the, uh, the, the High Republic stuff, you know, um, the Mandalorian stuff. I mean, so that's, that's, that's really cool. So... What else we got in news? Or was that about it? It was really about it. I mean, uh, well, I have really- one. I have one that was that we kind of talked about. Now, Grant, this isn't really news. This is a rumor, and it's pretty much just a Reddit rumor, but it is making some rounds. Um, and it's that uh, the so where did where did I get this from? It was in my early morning reading. I won't say what Dave said about the article because this is a family show. Um, but it was from comicbook.news, and it was saying that Disney is resetting Star Wars and erasing – it says erasing The Last Jedi, but they're, they're going to decanonize, if that is a phrase, 
the entire sequel trilogy. They've figured out a loophole that it can basically be like in Dallas when Bobby Ewing or one of the whoever dreamt the whole thing and Bobby Ewing didn't die type of deal. Oh. Um, but they're, uh, they're here. I can I can pull up the article so we can just have some fun with it. I'll read a little bit of it. Um, it's probably really clickbaity, so hold on while my internet catches up with me. All right, so it says a new rumor has hit the net offering that some sort of Disney Star Wars reset is in the works that will see The Force Awakens, Last Jedi, and Skywalker basically erased. The rumor comes from the, quote, future ruler of Earth, the Doom Dog Overlord DVD YouTube channel. So big ass grain of salt to take with this one, I think. Anyway. <laughs> who recently offered that a Star Wars, quote, Civil War is happening at Lucasfilm between Kathleen Kennedy and Jon Favreau. Says uh, Doom Doc, what a great name. Doom Doc also previously provided those Skywalker spoilers and prior to Marvel Studios announcing a new director and writing team on the Captain Marvel sequel, so apparently he has some street cred. Eh, take it for what it's worth. But anyway, he says, getting back to the rumor, Plans are in place to save the Star Wars franchise, which involves the Abrams and Ryan Johnson trilogy getting nullified. It's claimed the Disney Star Wars trilogy will be erased using a concept that was recently made canon in the Star Wars Rebels animated series. Quote, in the season four, episode 13 installment titled A World Between Worlds, the concept of the veil of the force was introduced, a mystical dimension of the force that connects all time and space. I have received confirmation from two additional sources claiming that this is spot on, that indeed Lucasfilm realizes they have a massive problem on their hands, that the Star Wars franchise is all but dead, and despite Kathleen Kennedy's hatred of the idea, Lucasfilm is preparing to render the sequel trilogy null and void. I'm not going to read the, the rest of the article, but um, yeah, do we think this is a thing? No. It's terrible. <laughs> yeah, I mean, you know, it's, for it's, many it's, reasons. It's, it's awful. And what's the, wait, what's the end game here? Are they going to reshoot the movies? They can't do that. That's millions and billions of dollars down the drain. No, no. And Star Wars is almost dead or near dead. Is that the quote? Really? With Mandalorian being a big hit and, and you have the High Republic uh, uh, excitement and the, the, um, the Cassie and Andor series coming up and the Obi-Wan series and it's almost dead. It was almost dead when they go through with those projects. Come on. Yeah, no, so, you know, it's one of those things where it's, uh, you know, they would they would make it so it wasn't canon. It's like, um, I, you have to read the article. It's about, um, I don't know, since Palpatine is in The Last Skywalker, that if he, he does X, Y, or Z, then it kind of nullifies everything. Like, it's just, it's, it, it's totally bizarre. Um, but... Uh, you know, sometimes some people, some some bands just write a bad song, and maybe the sequel trilogy, even even if you like that song, it's still not their best song. You know, type of a deal. It's like, yeah, I, you know, I really like Stand by REM, but it is not their you know best thing in their repertoire. Um, so, but it's still an REM song. They still they can't say you know, oh no, those are some other dudes who wrote that song. You know, it's maybe 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 you just screwed up on the sequel trilogy, you know, and just wash your hands of it. You know, it is what it is. 
and go on and make other stuff. Acknowledge and move on, as my dad says. But, you know, the other thing, too, is a lot of people like those movies. Well, a lot of people um, like Stan, too, but it's a bad song. I'm just saying. <laughs> but anyway, go no, ahead. No, but, you know, I mean, like, you don't want to minimize anybody who thought, oh, I really like those movies. I really like, um, for, for example, I really like Last Jedi. Um, but let's just not have it. And I, I think our guest feels differently. But, um, like, that doesn't exist anymore. You know, we've talked about this when it comes to, like, the EU, for example wiping everything out, alienate a, a large section of your fan base in the process, and then, yeah, you make room for more, um, I guess, interesting or freedom to make interesting creative choices later on, but, you know, at what cost? And it it's an absurdly well, written article because it's like this anonymous person reporting on these anonymous sources and hey, it's, don't, don't disrespect Doom Doc, ruler, future ruler of Earth. Don't. Do <laughs> <laughs> I, but the the Brie Larson thing is like what's like immediately. I mean, like I read two sentences of this thing and I knew it was crap. But then, like when they got to the Brie Larson thing, I think my eyes rolled out of my head. You're gonna have to like, share. You're gonna have to share that bit. Yeah. No, what what is what is that? What is the Brie Larson bit? Oh no no! Like uh, he's like, oh well, we you know uh, we're proven right about you know Brie Larson not being uh, in favor anymore in Marvel. It's just, you're just you're just pandering, and so it's just pandering to what they think people want to hear right now. It's the most clickbaity clickbait article <laughs> of all time, maybe. It's certainly in the top five. So, and by the way, when I when I throw these articles in our Twitter group chat, it's not anything like, "Hey, I believe this." I just I, I think it's fun to read this and go, "What the hell are people thinking?" Because yeah, it is, it is absolutely ridiculous. It's like again, I go back to it as if you're a musician, you write a song. Not everybody's going to like that song. Not everybody liked the sequel trilogy, and you know what? That's art. You know, people. But, but I guess. I guess from my part, I was just thinking, I'm thinking back to uh, that uh, Star Wars night at, at the old Shrine on Airline when the little girl dressed up as Rey came up to you in your Stormtrooper outfit. And I'm thinking of last week, Olivia telling us that her favorite movies are the sequels because she loves Rey. Like, there's a reason. I mean, we may we may not have connected with those movies, but that doesn't mean that other people didn't. And to say, well... We don't like him, or some people didn't like him. Therefore, we're just gonna wipe clean the slate with them. I mean, you're—it's—it dismisses it, too many people who all of a sudden saw a representation of us on the screen, who connected with the story. We can have our issues with the Rise of Skywalker. We can have our issues with the Last Jedi. But at the same time, we also have to recognize: look, this wasn't made just for me. If you know, we have to acknowledge that it's made for a lot of other people. And, they also have a right to say, yeah, that's my movie and I like it and don't no, leave it be. I tell you what, you guys are so close-minded. You got to think more like a 30-year-old living white dude living in his mother's basement. I mean, <laughs> come on. You're just not seeing the Doom Doc Overlord's point of view here. Doesn't care about little kids and representation. He just wants his Star Wars dadgummit. 
So, and yeah, you can watch. I'll be attacked on Twitter now. So that's, that'll be fun. Um, no, I, I think it is, I think it's garbage as well. And it's been my problem actually with fan reaction. And this we'll we'll get into this in our conversation tonight as well. I'm sure but with fan reaction to anything post um, original trilogy is because all those people who grew up with four five and six grew up and they weren't, they don't, they didn't feel like they felt when they were 10 years old seeing empire strikes back. Well, I'm sorry, you're 30, get over it. You know, it's like it. And so it, it's, it, it drives me absolutely bonkers. Um, so. I got to say too, though, um, in, in all honesty, I'm glad we included it um, in this week's headlines because it does give us a really good jumping off point. Um, the theme of the, our conversation tonight was going to tie into this. Um, like, how do you keep fans happy? How do you get fans in the theater um, without ruining your product in the process? And... Um, and so, like, on that basis alone, I'm glad we, like, this is the most extreme example of that, right? Like, all right, everything that the net nerds revolted against, we're going to slag in this article to give ourselves nerd cred so that you'll click on our articles, you know, that we continue to write going forward and make money, right? Um, it's, oh, man, it's just, I'm yeah. It's ridiculous. Well, I, I, I guess we will then let's let's springboard then, and and properly introduce our guest tonight, um, Eric Redding uh, from Florida, and uh, you uh, you're part of a, a podcast on Spotify, right? Why don't you uh, called Five at the Back? Wanna, yeah, that's correct. Thanks for that? plugging that. Yeah, we just recently joined uh, Apple uh, Podcasts and Google Podcasts as well. And basically what Five of the Back is, it's five Americans talking. Um, one of our big loves is um, the English Premier League Soccer uh, League. So we uh, we talk uh, stats breaking, kind of like what you guys do with Star Wars, stats breaking news, um, matchups of the week. Um, it runs about an hour, and we're on our third episode. We're taping tomorrow, and we really like to have a listen. So if you want to um, hit us up, at, at it's at Five, F-I-V-E-A-T-B on Twitter. Um, we have five with the number five ATB uh, pod uh, Instagram and Gmail set up. And once again, you can find us at find us at five in the back soccer on Apple podcasts, Google and Spotify as well. So, so, uh, cause we have on this podcast, somebody who is big into premier league. Uh, I do know that after being a yeah. creeper, listening to the last couple episodes and creeping, creeping <laughs> on his uh, profile. I know he's a gunner, so he's a big arsenal guy. That is correct. Yeah, you guys look good today, man. Not, not to get off topic, but you look good. Yeah, no. Well, I mean, it helped that Norwich is, looks awful and is more than likely headed for the drop. So, uh, But I'll take it. I'll take a 4-0 four, four day at the office. It's always great. Especially great followed up by watching uh, West Ham, Chelsea. So, oh, absolutely. Oh, and, then, and then we kept Buka, Buyako Saka. So, hey, all great day all around. So are they are they playing with people – with no fans in the stands? Yeah, that's that's correct, Aaron. They're playing with yeah, no fans in the stands, and you can actually choose um, on your TV feed um, for a lot of stations on NBC, um, piped-in fan noise or no fan noise, which is kind of cool because you can hear the players communicate, coaches yelling, that kind of thing. You can kind of choose one or the other, but I, I like I like the uh, the crowd noise makes me get into it a little bit more than the the um, coaches and players. So, 
Well, I, I think uh, I think uh, for Saints games, I might choose the no crowd noise. I want to see how many times Sean Payton uses the F word in a, <laughs> in a football game. I, you know, it's funny. We um, Eric is a giant Star Wars fan, just like us. Um, and when I found out that um, he was a soccer fan, the same as Fredo, I was like, well, would that be a conversation point for us? And I was. I was curious as to what their opinions were on as to is there any sort of crossover uh, behavior that you've seen when it comes to your Star Wars fanatics and your uh, soccer fanatics? Oh, you want to answer uh, that now? I wasn't sure what, where we're going with that. We can answer it now, though. We can answer it now. Though. What I've seen is, number one, I got some notes here, Some the rabidity of the fans. I mean, the rabid soccer fans throughout the world, rabid Star Wars fans, as we know, we went through that earlier. Um, they'll get on the internet and trash. The manager can't select the starting 11, can't select the substitutes. What's this goalie doing? What's that goalie doing? You know, what's Ryan Johnson doing? There's a parallel between the Star Wars fans' rabidity and the soccer fans as well, so... The fact that it's worldwide, Star Wars is a worldwide global phenomenon. So is soccer, the world's most popular sport. You can go to any country, pretty much talk Star Wars. You can go to any country um, to talk football or what they call football. So we call soccer. Um, we also have the kind of dress. You kind of dress like your heroes, right? You dress out your kit, your cap, your scarf, right? If you're a soccer fan, um, you cosplay. If you're a Star Wars fan, you go to the conventions. You can go to the 501st as a trooper or a Jedi. So there's that in common as well. So that's a couple of things that I found. Mm -hmm. I mean, just from my own personal experience, I mean, I've traveled to see Arsenal. So they come to the U.S. for the summer tour, and I've flown to California to see them. I've flown to D.C. to see them. I've flown across the pond to go to London to see them. And I'm not that, – that's not that uncommon. You, you'll have – I mean, every year here in New Orleans, we have a, a meetup of Ar Arsenal America supporters. That we call Gunner Graf for uh, because it's Mardi Gras Gunners. So, and we've gotten over 250 people to show up in all parts of the country and the world, just traveling, following, connecting with people. It's something you wake up and you start talking to people about. There's a bit of breaking news, and people are just passionately discussing it, like like we just did about Doom, Doom guy, whatever you know, you know. <laughs> You know, Draco, Draco, Draco Malfoy on YouTube, yeah. There are as many Star Wars blogs and opinions as there are soccer blogs and opinions. There's as many podcasts. There's as much passion. I think Eric is 100% right about that. And what you find is that people, it's a mechanism for people to connect with others. It's a bridge builder. You, you know, may not know anybody else, but if you, you know, got a shirt or something that says you're part of that tribe, it, it automatically opens the door. You know, we talked about that. I've, we've talked about that before with people. You know, Brittany and I lived in Nebraska for most of our lives, and Nebraska has really just one team. It's the Nebraska Cornhuskers, and you can go anywhere in the state, not know anybody. You start talking about Nebraska football, you have an at least an hour long conversation, um, and and it's just like that. You know, you find a fellow Saints fan or fellow Arsenal fan, whatever. Um, you build that connection, and it's also fandom. Star Wars is the like I've, I've seen it with uh, with Rush, the the band Rush. There was a documentary on them. They said the lady was saying she's at a restaurant. She sees somebody wearing a Rush fan. She has to excuse herself to go talk to that person because they're wearing a Rush shirt. You know, um, but it, I think it uh, it allows us to escape from crappy reality. You know, 
And it's like, and people wonder, why do you argue about this stuff that doesn't matter? And it's like, well, because it, you know, at the end of the day, it doesn't matter, you know, and it's, it's just, it helps us escape. So um, I think, I think when we didn't have soccer back, um, our manager, Jurgen Klopp, he's from Germany. He said, football is the, the most important of the least important things, which is a direct quote from him, meaning we want to get it back, but it's not as important as securing the health of our fellow man, but it's also kind of helps us escape and helps us with our mental states and whatnot. So it's the least important of the, the most important things, you know? Absolutely. Yeah, I, no, I was, I was going to agree with that. And I, I love the um, – I had a conversation with Kate the other day, um, and I don't even remember who else was involved in this conversation, but we were talking about, um, I think, something to do with the Saints and, like, what their roster would look like this fall. And it was like – I'm like – at some point during the conversation, I was like, well, this is just academic and it doesn't matter, right? Because I don't think that they're going to be playing games this fall. Or if they do, it'll be abbreviated and it, it won't be recognizable at, at minimum. But I caught myself like within 30 seconds of saying that and I said, well, like, that's not fair because it, it doesn't ever matter, really. <laughs> I mean, no. if we're talking about, you know – you know, they're not, they're pretend it's, it's we're a bunch of people running around on a sports field trying to win a game. It, it doesn't really affect people in a life or death way. Um, and it's not, it, it's sort of an imaginary construct to begin with. So it's like, whether they play the games or not, it's still a fun thing to engage in. Well, um, and the thing is also, I'm sorry to interrupt you, yeah. but it, that's what I do. You know, it's, <laughs> you know, these, <laughs> these fandoms, well, you know, Star Wars, football, you know, the other football, you know, it's <laughs> whatever it is, it's the one time where really, you know, like all the other barriers break down. It's like you could be sitting next to the person who is, you know, on the opposite end of the political spectrum of you at the Superdome and you're still both Saints fans and you have, you find that link, you know, Star Wars, you find that link, you know, soccer, you find that link. Um, so it, it does matter to, you know, to talk about these things. Otherwise, all we're going to be doing is talking about the things that divide us all the time, you know, so... Uh, but then you got, you know, Doomsday Draco Malfoy, who's, you know, really trying to, you know, destroy Star Wars fandom by saying that the sequel trilogy sucks, you know, but uh, so there are bad apples everywhere. Um, but uh, so I'll say one thing, talk. like, you know, um, we, we always like to lead off with, you know, giving people a chance to tell us their Star Wars story. Yeah. So I'd, I'd like to give Eric that chance right now. Um um, like, how did you get introduced to Star Wars? What was your introduction like? And, you know, what are um, your favorites? Um, I was probably like around your guys' age. I probably can kind of surmise that we're around the same age. So I was an OG for the original trilogy. So any original trilogy content, that's my first go-to. Sorry. I mean, just that's the way it is, you know. Um, I was a kid. I remember the first movie I remember seeing in the theater was Return of the Jedi. And I remember, for whatever reason, my daughter cracks up. By whatever reason, I'm sitting with my dad. My dad took me and my brother, and I'm sitting there. The theater's dead quiet. I remember when it pans to Endor, when the ship's landing, whatever, and the, the lookout's on the t tower, you know, the rebel guard's on the tower with the pike or whatever. And I go, hey, that looks like Earth. And my dad's like, shh, you know, I don't know why. It just sticks out in my mind. But 
But Jedi was the first movie I saw in the theater. I remember renting the VHS tapes of Return, uh, sorry, of Empire and A New Hope. I was instantly hooked. Uh, I just loved the action. I loved, you know, the dialogue. I loved the good versus evil. And I still kind of, when I grow up, I want to be a, uh, and I like the Jedi, but I, I really like the pilots. I really want to be like an X-Wing pilot was my thing. I love seeing them in the cockpit. Red One standing by. I love that, man. I, just, I eat it up. Um, I used to collect the, still do, uh, much to my wife's chagrin, collect the action figures. Um, I had a lot of the originals. I think my first one was bought uh, with my allowance money at Kroger. I think it was the Hoth, uh, Han and Hoth suit, the blue one with the white fur around his face. You know, I think I had that one. I had a bunch of the vehicles and whatnot. And last time I heard my brother, who has my nephews, are like ages eight and ten. They have them up in the attic or something. I don't know. They're, they're somewhere in in uh, out in the, the uh, unknown regions or whatever. But um, I do have, starting with the the, um, the prequel trilogy, um, like I said, much of my own chagrin, I have that in the garage. So I have figures and, and vehicles and stuff from episode one up and through, uh, up probably through The Force Awakens. I kind of trailed off the last two, but I'm going to pick some of those up when I can. But I'm just a big fan. I consume all just about all material I've read, just about all the books. There's a couple of the ex- expanded universe I do I have not read um i'm a teacher as well i think aaron you said you're a teacher i'm a teacher as well i have not read the little kid the little readers you know the the baby readers i've read just about everything in between um i love all the movies we're gonna talk about that in a minute um like dave said all, you know all pizza is good kind of a thing um i don't love them all equally but i do love them i even watched the holiday special try to get my daughter to watch it she bailed within half an hour i'll even watch that um i listen to you guys' podcasts i listen to other people when i can and i just I generally want to be a part of that universe. I don't care if they stop making them or not. I'll always be a fan till the day I die. So, cool, right on. Um, so, uh, we, we we were talking about this actually when we knew you were coming on, um, because uh, John Favreau was quoted. Because um, what we're going to like, so we're going to be talking a lot about you know fandom and and how much fans, like Dave alluded to earlier, how much fans should really have a say in in all this stuff um but uh, john favreau gave an interview and let's see if i can find the exact quote um okay so he says here um if i click don't allow okay he says you put something out in the world and then it echoes back at you you have to listen it's not a one-way street it's a two-way street you have to feel the energy of the audience but when you come from comedy and when I was doing improv back in Chicago, that's it. You have to read the room. You have to feel the room. You have to be in a community with the audience. You have to be a part of it. The fact of the matter is, as much as we love working on Star Wars, we love even more making Star Wars for other people. And when other people are excited by it, dig what we're doing and are appreciative, that's as good as it gets for us. So he's he's saying you need to listen to the fans when you're creating your stuff. Um, so, I mean, I was, you know, I mentioned in other podcasts, I was in a band for, you know, many years. And I, I can honestly say I could, I could see both sides of this argument. I can see both sides of this argument. There's sometimes where, you know, you're, you know, you're playing, you, you've written out a set list and it's a good set list and people are yawning and it's like, all right, if we do this one song, then we're going to have them back into the show. But then there are other bands that go out and all they do is give you candy. 
you know, so it's like sometimes you got to, um, I, I just think there's a, there's a happy meeting here, but I don't know. What do you, what do you guys think about this quote from John Favreau and, you know, when they make star Wars, should they be paying attention to what the fans have to say, or should they just say, Hey, this is a good star Wars story that fits within the universe and put it out there. I think they definitely have to, to listen to the fans. Like you said, Aaron, there's a fine line between giving it all to the fans and then not listening to them at all, right? And I was thinking about this. I, Dave gave me some talking points and kind of some questions. And so I was making some notes and I have here. And I think as long as you will probably attract, and you're not going to say all, of course, there's not all in today's world. You're going to have some outliers. But I think that you attract most Star Wars fans if you have the basic elements of Star Wars, right? And what are the basic elements? We have love, right? I would say hope. A redemption, right? And it's the struggle of war. You know, I think if you blend all those in with good acting and good writing, I think you'll attract a majority, once again, not all, but a majority of Star Wars fans, you know? I think it's when you don't care about those elements and you kind of do your own thing and I might get, you know, hate from you guys or whatever, maybe you like it, but I can't, that, that's what Ryan did with The Last Jedi, you know? I'm going to make it groundbreaking. I'm going to do my own thing and ignore Luke and I'm just going to look how groundbreaking I am. Look at this. And, and I'm not a hater. I like the movie. I like all Star Wars. I watch it, you know, all the time, but. But I think that's kind of what he did. I don't know if he really, truly thought about each one of those elements and before he concocted his Star Wars stew, so to speak. You know, he kind of threw it all together and kind of, kind of made it where, kind of made it where you know I'm doing my own thing. I'm making kind of an art film. Look at look how groundbreaking I am. Rather than here's what makes Star Wars great, and here's my interpretation on those things that make Star Wars great. What do you guys think? I think. I mean, I think the Last Jedi. I would call it. Um, a non-fan pleaser, and I would call Rise of Skywalker a fan pleaser. Or at least I think that was what their intent was. And so, like, I did want to definitely have somebody on who had that opposite viewpoint on the Rise of Skywalker and liked it better than The Last Jedi because we usually default the other direction on this show. Um, and so, I mean, for you personally, would you, would you call Rise of Skywalker... Um, a success in that way. I mean, like in terms of like hearing the fans, doing what the fans want. Um, I, I think Dave, I think definitely, I, I think definitely. And I'll tell you why they kind of had to do it. Cause they painted the corner with Ryan Johnson, you know, the fans were not most fans not all once again, they were not happy with the last Jedi. So they got a reverse course and Disney being a business. We got to make the maximum amount of profit we can. And what's the one way to do that? Well, we'll kind of maybe mini retcon some of the things. We'll bring in some fan service, and we'll try to get get the pendulum swinging the other way. I think that's definitely a, a valid a valid point. I don't think that necessarily makes it a bad movie per se, but I can kind of see why they did that. I would agree with you actually. There were some fan service moments in the in the film, but I, like I said, I think their hands are tied. And I think because of the Last Jedi, I think they kind of had to do it. You know, uh, to me, that doesn't preclude the fact that it makes it a bad movie. That's my opinion. I think Attack of the Clones um, would be another one that you could point to as being kind of more fan servicey, and and part of that is just what the finished product is. Uh, but part of it, I do think George has allowed that he listened to the fans a little bit more um, post Phantom Menace and tried to kind of course correct a little bit. Um, and it's an interesting thing because. Would anybody say, would you say Phantom Menace is better? Or would you say Attack of the Clones is better as a fan? Um, and I, I vacillate on that one a lot. I really do. 
I think, I think Phantom Menace, if you're stacking them together, I think Phantom Menace is better. I think the, the acting of, of um, uh, Liam Neeson kind of, I think, makes it that way, you know? I just My personal preference is for Phantom Menace. But Fred, are you going to say something? Yeah, no, I was just going to add that. I mean, you kind of did see that George did take some of the response to Phantom Menace to part in uh, making the other two movies. You saw it in the way that the character of Jar Jar Binks was basically written out, uh, for lack of a better term. Uh, he had a few moments in Attack of the Clones. He included the big moment in the Senate. And then in uh, Revenge of the Sith, he's a cameo at the end. So that tells you that they were paying some sort of attention to what the fans were saying. And you know, I mean, it's important. I always think on the one side, I mean, you ought to listen to what your fans are saying because they're in some ways, they can tell you if you're hitting the mark you want to hit. But it's also important to kind of know what it is you want to do and stick to it. Otherwise, you know, like I, like I was saying earlier, you'll vacillate. You'll never get it right because people have different opinions and tastes and desires for what the story is going to do. Um, I was just thinking, like, um, last week there was a story doing the rounds about George R. R. Martin and how he's still working on making his next book in the Song of Ice and Fire series. And fans are still up in arms because that book has been delayed for a decade now. And Neil Gaiman once said, hey, he's not your McClunky. He's not he's not your slave. He, he has the right to live a life and, and practice his art the best way he can. And you'll get your book at some point. Hopefully. But uh, So I always think it, there's a fine line, like I was saying, between recognizing what the audience wants, and giving the artist the freedom to express themselves the way they want to, because otherwise you get the, a paint-by-numbers movie that's a copy and paste, and nobody likes it. Well, what the problem gets into being, and I was, I think it was like 90, 94, maybe, 94, 95, Harry Connick Jr. and his band um, was on tour. He was actually on tour with this funk band. And Harry Connick Jr. came on came on big, you know, around when Harry met Sally with his with his classic big band sound that, and that's what got a lot of the blue hairs really excited. And he was playing in Lincoln, Nebraska, at at the uh, um, at the Performing Arts Center, and it was his funk band. And I'll never forget he. And so it was not if you came wanting to hear Red Light Blue Light. You, you weren't hearing that stuff. And at one point he got on the microphone and he said, all right, we're going to start playing some rock and roll. If you didn't come to listen to rock and roll, you might as well just leave now. And lo and behold, halfway through this song, about half the place left. And he, did not, he didn't bat an eye. They had a blast. My wife and I, we we're you know, engaged at the time. Absolutely loved that show. Um, and it's one of those things that when you talk about, like Eric, you're saying you're a fan, you know, whether there are movies or not, you know, so we talk about all these capitulations that the movie makers have made. There are going to be people going to a Star Wars movie, you know, who are, I mean, the quote unquote true fans. It's like, I will go see a Star Wars movie. I may not like it, but I'm going to go see the next one, you know, it, and it may be worse or better. But, you know, Harry Connick Jr. played this show, you know, and then it was like as an artist, he went, you know, elsewhere with his music after that. Um, so I think as an artist, but but the, the thing that, however, it's really easy to say that when you're making money. 
if you're if you got your paycheck, if the if the owner of the bar has already given you your money for the night, then you can play whatever the hell music you want. But if your money depends on how many people are brought in the door and how much beer they sell, then you're going to play Brown Eyed Girl a couple times that <laughs> night. You know, so that's why I said I can see both sides of this, and that's why one of the best one of the best cover band one of the best bands I ever saw at our local bar back in Kearney, Nebraska, they came in and they did a lot of covers and then they would do one or two of their original stuff. And then they would do a lot of covers and one or two of their original stuff. If they came in, just did only their original stuff, there'd be two people in the whole bar because they like listening. They like experiencing new things, but everybody else, it was like, all right, we'll put up with these one or two every now and again, if as long as we hear Brown eyed girl, you know, every other song. Um, but when it comes to the Star Wars movies, I'm sorry, I'm going on and rambling on. I, you know, I I, I think we get we we uh, I I don't want to listen to Darth Malfoy in his basement, you know. And it's like hire good people who can who are good writers and who are good directors and let them and and you know like you said, what are the parameters for a Star Wars movie? And then go ahead and make your Star Wars movie. I think where the sequel trilogy failed, and I've said it a gazillion times on this podcast, is that they had nobody, like they had no referee saying, "All right, this is what, this is what the overall arc for this trilogy is." Now you guys go and write. So I'll shut up now. Well, I, I you know, I brought up Phantom Menace, um, pointedly, um, because you talked about like, uh, you know. Do you have a financial responsibility? Do you have this? Do you have that? It's like George could just make whatever movie he wanted with that movie. And I know, Aaron, that you like that movie better than the other prequels. Yeah. And yeah. It, it's very much George just being an artist and doing what he wanted to do. And it could be very much, very easily argued by yourself and others. Like where he went wrong was starting to listen to the fans on the next two movies because it, you know, I, I like where our conversation started on this podcast, where we were talking about that camaraderie that fans can have with one another um, in sports and in um, pop culture. But it's also, I like the idea of, or at least the concept of the artist having that kind of relationship with the fans as well. Um, but again, it's all a question of degree. How far can you take that? How far do you want to take that? And I think for a lot of us, it you can go much further wrong listening to other people than you can listening to your, you know, the internal voices in your head that are telling you this is the kind of movie that I'd like to make. Well, again, and as as an artist, I can also say again, if it's if it is your livelihood, you know, again, I can see how you're going to make decisions based on audience approval and fan approval, um, you know, because yep. you know you've got to sell those CDs, you've got to bring people into the club. If it is like your side hustle, where it's like I like to paint, and if somebody wants to buy it great that's that's beer money in my pocket you know then you can be as creative and do whatever the hell you want so um but what i get a kind of a kick out of and fredo then i'll let you chime in but mm -hmm. you know it's like can you imagine anybody 
looking at the Mona Lisa and going, God, Da Vinci should have done this. What the hell was he thinking? He should have done X, Y, or Z. If somebody's saying that, the other people around them are going to look and say, what are you talking about? So, you know, Ryan Johnson, J.J. Abrams, George Lucas, whoever it is, makes a Star Wars movie. You know, it's like, what is it of us? You know, it's as, as, a, as a, the consumer of that, sure, we can say I liked it or I didn't like it, but that doesn't make it bad. Value is not the same as liking. Fredo, I'll let you talk. No, no, I was just going to say, to, to speak to what you were saying as an artist, I mean, this, that's the life of an artist. So whether you're talking a musician who's contracted, you know, who's kind of multi-million dollar record recording deal with uh, with a company, or you're Michelangelo getting hired by the hope to go paint the walls or the roof or the ceiling of the Sistine Chapel. You know, you're hired for a purpose, and I'm pretty sure Michelangelo has some ideas what he wanted to put up there, but you know the the guy cutting the check told him he wanted this and this and this, so that's what he painted with his own eye and his own vision. But he had to give him what he wanted. So there's always a balance that's got that's always has to be struck between the creator, you know, the artist, and the person who's paying for that art, and that's never going to go away. You know, right now I'm pretty sure that Disney haven't spent billions of dollars in Star Wars movies want to keep making Star Wars movies. So that they know that they have to listen to the fan base because that's what's gonna make their investment worthwhile. You know, they didn't they didn't spend millions of dollars to go buy, you know, some bomb movie from the eighties. They bought they got one of the biggest franchises in the in world history. So they want to recoup that money and keep making movies. But at the same time you also have to find a way to give that director, that writer the ability to say, okay, you're making a Star Wars movie make your own or make it in a way that you know that you feel comfortable and proud of what you're making and then see what the fans say i mean it's it, it's it's almost like a like a stool you know with three legs now there's the creator there's the the person with the money and there's the fan base and those three have to come in sync and it's good when they come in sync like it's something like the mandalorian but it's also interesting when it doesn't happen you know stuff like the rise of skywalker because it's an attempt to placate the fans to make them feel good about it. So, uh, Eric, it said, it, Dave mentioned that uh, you are uh, more of a the Rise of Skywalker fan than the the other two sequels. Um, is that a fair statement? Uh, it is. Yeah, I just want to go back real quick, if I can, to your uh, your statement. I like your analogy of the uh, the Michelangelo painting, but one thing I would have to say where it doesn't quite equal up is, as I said before, I think there's predetermined tenets or tent poles that most Star Wars fans would agree that the movies would have to have, right? But with Michelangelo's painting, there's kind of just his interpretation, how he's feeling at that moment. There are no predetermined things that most people would agree that his painting should have. So what we're fans... When you see that they don't have when they don't have love and hope and redemption, they're, they're the struggle of war, then people are going to start straight from that, go, eh, it's not really what the Star Wars movie should be because it's already been predetermined by... All, you know, the Rebels cartoon and the three original trilogies, the prequel trilogies, you know, and what have you, the comic books and the books. It's already kind of been established by all that that, that media that that's what a, hopefully a good Star Wars movie should have. And it doesn't have that, then fans are going to start to get a little antsy, you know? I don't think his painting would have that. That's his own individual interpretation of whatever he's feeling at that moment. Mm -hmm. No, but but I guess what I was trying to say is just simply the idea of 
whenever you're, you know, as an artist, you know, you're commissioned to complete a work of art. Ryan Johnson was hired to deliver The Last Jedi, and he had to write that script, turn it into Lucasfilm. They had to approve it and say, yeah, this is the movie we want to make. And had, you know, we saw that example happen. We've seen that example happen of when our director or writer turns in a script to Lucasfilm and it gets kicked back. It doesn't work. Happened to Colin Trevorrow with Duel of the Fates. That's why we got right to Skywalker. Because from the treating, uh, from the, from the treatise or the, 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 it's uh, script ideas that we got to read after the last uh, Skywalker came out. It was, you know, action based, but it was also kind of dark and kind of, you know, you know, dangerous, you know, in terms of where they said the way it's going to go. It wasn't hopeful. It was very much, uh, the galaxy's being oppressed now. Uh, it also happened to Solo. It also happened in some ways in Rogue One. So it's interesting because, um, we mentioned, oh, it, it, in, in a, in a perfect situation, the, the director, the writer, the, the creators would make the, the great movie that we all want to see. Disney would love it. They'd want to see that. And, when we get it, we all fall in love with it. But it, I, it, you know, it rarely happens. I, you know, I'd love to dovetail too off this and just say, like, returning to the soccer analogy, um, I think for a lot of fans, they're going to differ. And there's no way of avoiding this. They're going to differ on what they think is important or, or what style even uh, can be an important part of it. And I, you know, returning to the soccer, you know, there, or, or football there or any sport, really, there, there are a lot of examples of a team that incorporates a specific style of play. And if they eventually deviate from that style, the fans kind of just revolting on that basis alone. Now wins cure all ails. Um, all ailments, but I like at the same time, it makes it harder on you. Um, and so I think if relating it back to Star Wars, if you deviate a little too far from some of these style elements that people are accustomed to, and again, these are things that we have talked about on this show is, you know, is the force an important part of Star Wars? Are lightsabers an important part of Star Wars? Are star battles an important part of star wars you know these kinds of questions and all of the movies do a differing kind of um success level at you know touching on those kinds of elements and they all they all you know you're dealing with different creative forces who all have different ideas about what they'd like to see happen on the in in these movies but Every time out, you you run the risk of losing fans who think, oh, the Force needs to be a more present element in this movie. Or, oh, this character needs to act this way. And so forth and so on. Um, and so, like, you can get those bigger elements right, the thematic issues and, the and you know, what Star Wars is all about, you know, hope and good versus evil and all those great things. But if you're missing some of those smaller pieces, you're still going to, you're still going to leave some people behind. That's a great point, Dave. Go back to what Fredo said. And I, I don't mean to be a bash Ryan Johnson fest, but Fredo's absolutely right. Look, Disney hired him. 
Disney's well aware at this point, we're in 2000, what was it, you know, 13, 14, 15. They know the tent poles when I discussed the tenants of the Star Wars movies before, and they still hired him. So it's kind of on them in a way. I mean, that you go back to the same thing with Lord Miller, you know, directing. I'm a big fan of their work. I, you know, I'm 44 years old. You could call me whatever you want. It's hilarious. I love the Lego movies. But if you know what makes a good Star Wars movie, right, or you think you know, you should know, right, and you hire those guys whose previous work does not would not give you any indication that they would be able to handle that. Why would you hire them anyway and then have to fire them and then recast the whole, reshoot the whole thing? I, I just, so Fredo was right on that. That's kind of on Disney and Kathleen and, and, and the Lucasfilm. I, I don't, I don't understand it. I will say, I'm going to, I'm going to kind of be devil's advocate here that, uh, uh, first of all, I think Brian Johnson gets, um, gets kicked in the nads a lot when it was JJ Abrams that kind of wrote him into a corner. Um, ending the way he did and because what people really get upset I'm not saying you Eric but what a lot of people I've talked to they get upset with is how basically how Luke Skywalker was handled in yes. that movie and I and there's two things to that first of all um, if we just look at the Force Awakens and I know we're talking about fan service and we'll get to there in a second but if you just look at Force Awakens and JJ Abrams kept uh, Luke Skywalker out of that until the very end and he is all we know is that he went away to hide on an island and why does somebody you know why would somebody go do that not because it, so for for Luke to come out and have a cape on and be you know superhero you know battle I, I think the more interesting story is what Ryan Johnson wrote um, but um, you know so I, I think I, I think he gets but I, I really don't know if he had anywhere else he could have gone other than that because of what J.J. Abrams and um, and actually Lawrence, Lawrence Kasdan did in The Force Awakens. And I love The Force Awakens, love The Last Jedi. Um, and that's why I think, you know, I think, you know, the, the whole sequel trilogy just has a lot of, you know, cognitive dissonance. It's just, you know, it, it's not well thought out. Um, but getting to the fan service, because let's talk about The Force Awakens for a second before we get to The Rise of Skywalker, because a lot of people would say that The Force Awakens was tons of fan service. Now, Eric, what do you teach? Uh, I actually teach fourth and fifth grade. I'm reading, writing, and social studies. So. Right on. So you know this. And I, again, I've said that. Sorry, guys. I say this on every podcast. But as a teacher, if you're going to teach them something new, you've got to put it in a context that they understand especially the kiddos that you're talking about that at that age you got to put it in something that makes sense within their reality so if we're bringing back star wars um you know that's been not on the big screen for a while and we're trying to reintroduce it to a new generation and we want to bring back some of those fans that maybe we lost along the way of course you're going to be on a desert planet of course you're going to have the millennium falcon of course you're going to have all these things you know, it's it's what I've said. It's the candy to get us in the van. You know, you got to put if you were to take us to a totally new location that doesn't look like anything we've ever seen, then people would have bailed on The Force Awakens. That was, I mean, so I don't know. That's uh, but what do what do you think about the, the fan service that was in The Force Awakens? I thought there was a lot of fan service in that. I thought a lot of the beats in The Force Awakens with the Starkiller base being the Death Star and, and some of the other beats were very similar to A New Hope. But uh, I saw the fan service, but like I said, it's Star Wars. I still kind of enjoyed it. I know a lot of other people you know, were kind of offended, didn't like um, The Force Awakens because of that. And here's why, once again, not to go too off topic, here's what I kind of get grinds my gears too is 
we had a movie, the, the Force Awakens, that had a lot of fan service, a lot of beat by beat, I think, as, of New Hope. So then Ryan turns around and does something totally different. And this kind of contradict myself a little bit. Totally different. And then they hate that too. I'm like, choose your bad. You can't have one or the other. Like, what do you want? Do you want a beat by beat fan service remake? And I, I had on my notes here, um, I think a good little um, analogy of like Mad Libs, right? If you do extreme fan service, oh, Luke comes out with his laser sword and, and kills everybody. And then he's joined by an Ewok. Wicked W. Warwick comes out and helps him. But then he's wounded and then Tarfall comes out. Like it's just a silly fan Mad Lib where people are just throwing stuff in without nuance or without context, right? So I think if you you have one movie that hits those beats very similar to another movie, and then you have something that's totally different and fans hate, you just can't have both ways, you know? I was a little I've, frustrated I've, by that. I've actually said I would have been happy if at the end of The Force Awakens, Han, Luke, and Leia would have said, all right, see you, Skippies, we're out of here, or if they were on a ship and they all would have blown up because at the end of The Force Awakens, I was I was in with Ray, Finn, and Poe because Han and Luke and Leia, to me, were the vessel to get us to to trust these new characters and to understand them and to feel good about them. And then it's, it's kind of like taking your kid to daycare. You hang around for a little bit for the first time. You, you hang around for a little bit until they find out that, okay, these other kids are okay. And then you go away. You know, it's, I think, I think actually having Han, Luke, and Leia through all three movies was a mistake. That they should have just been going off on Ray's story and let The Force Awakens be, like I said, that gateway drug and then let Han, Luke, and Leia go away. So that's that's my two cents. When it comes to, um, I'd, I'd love to get more insight into like um, Rise of Skywalker because this is yeah. again we, we all very much. Um, I wouldn't. I guess I'd, I'd describe us all as being we liked it, but we had issues with it, um, and so. Coming at it from that perspective, I would love to hear from Eric about like what was it about the movie for you that worked so well that I mean again, understanding of course that Last Jedi just you know didn't do it for you. Um, but above and beyond that, how did Rise of Skywalker work for you? Uh, I I remember um, on Twitter, like kind of approaching you, I jumped into your you know conversation. It seemed like you were taken aback by it. Like, what? You liked it? Uh, it was weird. <laughs> but uh, maybe I'm misunderstanding. But uh, kind of joking around. But I did like it. You know what? I liked it because it was a good branch of uh, a good mix of branching out and fan service. It's got a lot of fan service, but it all kind of did its own thing with the Force Dyad. They explored that a little bit with the Knights of Ren. They explored that a little bit with. Um, you know, there's a couple other things in there that they kind of did a little bit different than than um, the Last Jedi did. There's also a lot of, admittedly, a lot of fan service that the kind of the Force Awakens had. So to me, it was kind of a bridge between total beat by beat, not total, but but a lot of beat by beat fan service in the Force Awakens, doing your own thing and new things in the Last Jedi. It was kind of a bridge between the two. And I think my favorite part was, and he's my favorite villain, is Palpatine. He was the one pulling the strings the whole time from Episode One up through, you know, episode nine. And I, to bring him back, and like I said, admittedly, uh, I'm a little biased, but to bring him back as the ruler, the puppet master between every, uh, to, uh, between everything, I think was a good thing. You know, you kind of, if you want to tie it all together, who's the guy that started it? Palpatine. Uh, but no, actually, I agree with Eric. I mean, here's what's interesting. 
regarding uh, Rise of Skywalker that I'll just jump off from what he said. I think that there's a lot of stuff, and we've said this, there's a lot of stuff in there that you like, that we like, that we appreciated, and we found compelling and enjoyable. Um, and it's interesting that some of the stuff, some stuff hit really well. What's surprising is that it always feels, it, maybe I'm speaking out of turn here, but it feels like a work that's still unpolished, like it needed still another draft or another pass in the editing room. And that's where locking themselves into that release date kind of hampered them, so to speak. Uh, because if they hadn't, then they could have given J.J. Abrams more chance to write and kind of get it right. Uh, you know, but it, uh, then, Go ahead. No, go ahead, Fred. I'll finish. I'm sorry. No, no. No, no, I was just going to say, but what's interesting is that their choice was to, okay, if we're going to, if we cannot get away from releasing it on this date, we're going to at least go and make sure that this is something that a large section of our fan base will appreciate and enjoy. Well, imagine, so imagine if, uh, so, and I agree, I have no problem with Palpatine being in this story. And what Eric said made is absolutely right on. He he is the one that's pulling strings throughout this entire saga. Um, so then it comes back to then if that's the deal, then why did, why Snoke and why not Palpatine? You know, imagine Force Awakens. You find out that the baddie is Palpatine. Then everybody goes, "What?" You know, it's like where? And then you know, then they have three movies to digest and accept, right? You know, you can actually develop the story. Okay, this is, you know, how you could actually set it up right away that, you know, he had already been planning on what happens if he was to die, that he, you know, put the whole Exegol thing, you know, in the first movie. So then you have three movies to accept that Palpatine is your baddie and then you ultimately destroy him in the last one. It just seems like, you know, oh, crud, we need to do something. And so it's like every, everything just seems like what Eric was talking about, a Mad Lib type of a deal in The Rise of Skywalker. It's like, let's put, let's, let's put in Lando, let's put in Palpatine, let's put in, you know, so I still want to see that, that, you know, convention panel where it's, you know, J.J. Abrams and Ryan Johnson are no more under their <laughs> NDA or contract, and they actually have to, you know, um, they can actually talk about what went down because, you know, they made three very good movies. They're just not congruent. You know, they're not. They're just... I agree with that. And, you know, like you're right. I think Palpatine, again, Eric's point is correct. Palpatine was the perfect choice in this movie at, to act as a bridge for the entire saga. And, and, and I'm with you. I'm frustrated that they didn't get to that point until, you know, they're eight movies in and they're like, oh, wait, now we have to try to connect everything. They didn't think about that in seven and eight. And I also liked his point when we when he was talking about how seven is the fan servicey movie and eight is the total departure and nine is the kind of the blend of the two. And I was like, what would people's reaction be if you had swapped eight and nine in, in terms of that dynamic, right? Um, obviously you can't just, you know, swap the movie order because, you know, there, there's a lot of plot elements that you have to juggle and everything else. But I'm wondering if like, in terms of that, 
particular thing, fan service. Um, if you had gone fan service heavy, then a mix of fan service, and then we're not giving you fan service at all. You're just going to take whatever story we give you. Or let's, or just think about it. Say, say imagine, imagine they had started with something more in tone, closer to the Last Jedi, and then giving you the in between, and then finished with the whole hundred percent fan service. You know, it's an interesting dynamic because depending on how it's, and it, you know, we're perceiving it as each individual, you know, pieces of a saga because that's the way that it is. But it's also their projects have to be made that have to be uh, you know, conditioned. That's why I mentioned the whole idea of turning the script into Lucasfilm because you know, we, we pin, I mean, fans, us, put the blame for whatever failures uh, Rise of Skywalker may have had on J.J. Abrams, so not liking Last Jedi on Brian Johnson. But it's, it's a collective. You know, if, the, if Clone Wars had failed, yeah, we would have all pointed the finger at Dave Filoni, but it's not just Dave Filoni. If The Mandalorian doesn't meet our approval, it's easy to point at John Favreau and Dave and Dave Filoni, but it's more than just them. It's this is a, that's one of the things that I think Disney Gallery showed us. It's it's a lot of people who have to, you know, have a vote, you know, a voice and a vote in the matter before we get one of these. Uh, no, you know, I was, I was actually thinking. So I, we're, it's interesting that we're talking about fan service, and almost seems like, you know, it's like the Mandalorian. As much as I like the Mandalorian, as much as I like the sequel trilogy, and I'm not dogging them. But it's like we didn't talk about the need for fan service with the with the prequel trilogy. You know, um, actually, people got kind of annoyed with you know. Eventually, they're like, "God, there's too many lightsabers," or you know, when Jango Fett bonks his head on the the door of you know his ship, which is an homage to the stormtrooper who, you know, and I guess. I guess maybe that I just say that word. What's the difference between an homage and fan service? Hmm. See what I mean? It's like, you know, if it's, I think, you know, fan service seems like let's, it's like your grandma and you just put out nothing but candy on, on the counter, you know, um, like, I'm sorry, there are elements of the Mandalorian that were just like that. It's like, there was no reason they had to go to Tatooine. You know, they could have gone somewhere else, but, and, and if they were on Tatooine, they could have gone somewhere else, you know, and not the exact same place we were in 1977. You know what I mean? It's that a lot of that was candy. Um, but, but I also think are, Aaron, no, I was going to cut you off, but no, uh, but I also think it's also, it's a matter of intent. I think intent for, you know, brings a great deal of purpose behind when you decide to put the Mandalorian on Moss Eisley, have him walk into the cantina. Yes, it's fan service, but it's fan service done as a mechanism of reintroducing you to the world that we've experienced and allowing you to see how it's changed. Because that's part that's, that's part of the, you know, what makes it so uh, interesting. It's, you know, you get to go back to places you get to see characters that you haven't seen it's one of the things that i did love when we you know we talk about rebels and we see some of the characters that we come to know and love later on down the road it's that for you know we were seeing them before they become who we know so again it's all a matter of intent i think 
how you do it and the matter of why you do it, you know, it colors the dynamic differently. And I, I really like that we've kind of switched gears and talked about, uh, to talk about the Mandalorian a little bit because Aaron, kind of like to your point, there there's fan service there as well. Um, and like we've talked a lot about like which details work for us versus which ones don't and the intent of the filmmakers in, in terms of like we're putting this in here for the fans benefit for the you know we're putting in the deep cut of the ice cream maker you know and it's like yeah does it i think like the how matters a lot with stuff like that it's like is it ham-fisted is it forced is it merely a callback or is there more to it like let's add something to what previously existed and i love that when we were talking about the ice cream maker it's like that adds more value to that scene in the empire strikes back where you see a guy running down the hall it's always been kind of this funny thing for fans um but now that scene has a little bit more meaning and so like you have enhanced what previously existed while also um kind of catering to the fans in the process yeah i just keep coming back to um and we got eric back and so we'll let him talk here too but i just keep coming back to imagine your favorite band your favorite band and they're going to make a new album and do should they go on their social media and say hey fans tell us what kind of music you want to hear on this next album would we expect that? Would we want that? You know, or, you know, it's kind of like, um, again, like those, those tried and true fans. It's like once I, th I think once you develop a trust with your fan base that they'll go with you and yeah, there'll be some people that get on the bandwagon. They're like, Oh, I, you know, I like the saints because they won the super bowl. Oh, bounty gate. Screw you guys. We're gone. You know, type of a thing. Um, but there are people who you know stick with a team or or a band because they have developed that trust, and so I wonder did was there a trust breakdown at some point that they feel the need now to okay we'll give you what you want so that we don't lose you. And again, I think there was definitely. The, I think I think there was definitely the Last Jedi. You know, fans just say, "Oh, we can't trust you anymore. This isn't quote Star Wars. It doesn't have those tenants. I or at least to their vision, doesn't have the tenants I listened before. We're going to turn off. In fact, they turned off um, to the Solo movie. And I thought the Solo movie, granted, um, once again, my bias is showing he's my favorite heroic character. But I thought it was a pretty good movie. Ron Howard came in at the last minute. I think he did a pretty good job. But it didn't make the box office because of the angry Last Jedi fans. Oh, screw this! It's, it's Star Wars. I'm not going to see it. We're going to show them. You know, even though. It's a different director, you know, different stars. It's not even taking place at the same, obviously the same time as The Last Jedi, but they were so turned off and so, you know, their trust was broken, you know, by, by Lucasfilm and Disney for The Last Jedi that they turned off to that movie. And it's a shame because I think it's pretty good. So I think it's definitely valid that their trust was broken. I think actually the trust got broken earlier than that. I th and again, I'm, I'm not a huge sequel, uh, prequels fan, um, but I think, you know, there were some things that made old farts like me just kind of kind of start to go, ugh, you know, in episode two and episode three. 
And so, and some people went even further and like going, oh, this isn't the Star Wars that I knew. You ruined my Star Wars, you know? And so Force Awakens comes back and it, that's why I think you get a little bit of the beat by beat that you're talking about, Eric. Um, so, um, and I, so I don't know. Yeah. I, and then I just think it just escalated from there, but, um, I don't know what trust did, did they, did Lucasfilm, uh, lose trust with their fans? I mean, because I guess, like I said, we've seen those rock bands. I mean, you know, kiss rush, name these bands that have been around forever that their fans will go, you know, anywhere with them, no matter what kind of album they put out. It's like, there's a new album. We're there. Um, you know, what, what happened with Lucasfilm? I mean, to answer your question, your early question, absolutely love, love the idea that we're going to ask the fans what they want. And by the same token, I absolutely hate the idea that they would be slavishly devoted to whatever the fans come back to them with. So I think there's a middle ground. I mean, like, and this is what we've been dancing around, which is like, Yes, I think you, you solicit that feedback. And yes, I think you have those lines of communication open and you listen to them and what they want and you and you hear them. And, and not only that, but you build those relationships. And it sounds silly, you know, for this multi-billion dollar franchise for them to say, oh, we need to connect with our fans at a grassroots level and encourage their participation in this franchise. But I think that's when Star Wars is working at its very best, when they're not coming down too hard on the fan community, when they're uh, helping folks, um, you know, as far as cosplay and, you know, like here are the 501st, you know, we're not going to come down on the 501st and, and make it a thing where you can't do that. We'll actually bring them to events and actually film them in the case of Rogue they, One. They do they do have regulations for us though. I know, but like at the they, end of the they day. Do, they do have so it's not like, hey, nice storm. I would not be able to do a Lucasfilm event because I am five foot nine. But you know, well just, I mean that saying. is what it is. That is what it is. <laughs> I'm, I'm saying they're not—they're not saints here, okay? They're not saints. Uh, I'm you're not, a well, I'm not saying for a stormtrooper, right? <laughs> yes, I am. I am. But you no, Dave, your, your, point is, your point um, is very. Your point is very well taken. It's kind of like when I again when I was in a band. It's like, you know, do you guys take requests? Sure. We don't always honor them. Yeah. You know, yeah. like we'll take any request you want. You know, but uh, it doesn't mean we're going to play them. You know, that's what we're thinking in the back of our heads. But sometimes somebody like, hey, do you know this tune? It's like, that would be really fun to do. And we would do it, you know. So, yeah, yeah I mean, your point is well taken. But I think there's there's also, um, there, there seems to be, uh, I don't know, growing up, it didn't, back in my day, it didn't seem like we we're all like, oh, man, did you see that new movie? Yeah, I could have done it better. You know, that wasn't really a conversation that we had. And now it's like, or like, you know, now we get, you know, songs are released. And so somebody then like, hey, I'm going to remix this. I'm going to put my own beat behind it. And isn't this so much better than what this person did? It's like, uh, you know, going to the museum and, oh, let me take that painting and let me, you know, change it up a little bit here. Isn't this so much better? You know, so I don't know. It's almost like 
we've lost the ability to appreciate and instead we critique right away and say how much we could have done it better or somebody else could have done it better you know and so um and that but and again so it's that value versus liking that's the one thing i always when i train teachers we always talk about it's you know I, i've said it before emerald could come and make us all a meal right now and there's a good chance that one of the four of us isn't going to like it because we don't like certain textures or tastes or anything like that but that doesn't make it a bad meal so i think somewhere along the way people have lost the ability to say you know that i, I didn't like it but i see what they did with it you know and appreciate it for what it is and again Sign. i i mean i'll <laughs> I'll, I'll defend the prequels more so than a lot of people will. Um, but that's kind of where I fall in it. Um, I just, I, I can't call those, I can't call them bad movies. Um, I, I really enjoy the artistry on display and I love the political nature of them. Um, some of the, you know, the Jedi in their prime, uh, the lore of it, you know, there's just so much to just love and appreciate there that I could never just say, oh, they're bad movies, right? Which was the consensus. I mean, it wasn't even the consensus when the movies first came out. But over the course of 10 years of angry internet people, it sort of became the consensus to the point where if you admitted that you liked the prequels on some level, people would like try to convince you angrily no those are bad movies well no that you know that's you know that's all, all subject to opinion it really is of course it's also what was what was george lucas's um, uh, ultimate goal was he trying to you know further the story of star wars or was he trying to advance filmmaking and i think it's more the latter maybe both I, I, I think I think a little both, yeah. I think a little both, but I think he was more hung up on, hey, look what I can do with green screen. Look what I can do with a full CGI character. He's always been about advancing filmmaking, and that is fine. You know, sometimes that's what again, that's what all artists do. It's like I'm gonna I'm gonna create these works, you know, for a greater, you know, cause of trying to advance the art form. Um, but then along the way, you you lose some fans. So. I don't know. Yeah, it's. I mean, it's. <laughs> I. You know, it's an interesting question. I, again, I kind of just go back to the. You know, should they be listening? And to me, the answer is yes. And I think that, that to their credit, they have done a better job of that um, in recent years. Um, but you know, again, to your point, Aaron, they don't just go with everything. <laughs> no, you can't be five, nine and be a stormtrooper. you know, like, so, you know, there's still, you know, these hangups and there are these, still these devotions to what George created originally. And I, we, we've all talked on this podcast. Like we appreciate that there are people like Dave Filoni at Lucasfilm to try to keep the essence of star Wars alive. Um, and so you need these people who are detail oriented and like focused on these sorts of questions. Um, but at the same time, I just, I, I think there, there has to be a fan voice in there somewhere. Um, so, 
Yeah. So I'm sorry, Eric, in uh, The Rise of Skywalker, was there any moment where you you kind of groaned or you're like, oh, I wish they wouldn't have done that? Or you thought maybe the fan service was taken too far or... Um, uh, yeah, there's there's one issue at the end when, when they made Rey a Palpatine. I just didn't think that really needed to be done. I know they were kind of retconning some of The Last Jedi and, you know, Star Wars, Star Wars isn't, you know... Um, you know, a podunk town in the south, or whatever is related. Like, it just doesn't need to be done. It's a large galaxy. I think she should have just been a an exceptionally powerful girl in the Force. I mean, I don't think she really needed to be. Like, we got hit over the head with the Palpatine thing before, which I think was good because you need to start with him, you end with him. But that's it. You didn't need to beat us over the head with it. Oh, by the way, she's a Palpatine too. Like, it just to me that was unnecessary and just kind of piling on when they really didn't need to do that. I would, I would agree wholeheartedly with that. I think it actually, I'm sorry, and then I'll let Fredo talk. I think it takes away um, just from the power of the story of being, like I said, anybody can be a hero, you know. Fredo? Mm -hmm. No, no, that's actually what I was going to say. It's just that idea of, uh, and I agree with Eric. I mean, if you want to be, because they, they said it, look, they needed a big bad to finish off the story and the redemption of Kyle Ren. Well, you know, they decided to bring back Palpatine. Okay, fine. But you can tell that they weren't really committing to the idea of Rey as a Palpatine because the way that Palpatine goes about explaining it's like, first it's like, kill her. No, no. Now bring her here. No, no. Kill her. No. It's like, that tells you that they're not quite committing to it, you know, to the whole idea. So I would have rather they just simply said, nope, Rey was as much a manifestation of the Force to balance out Kyle Ren going to the dark side, uh, as you know, Luke was when there was no 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 uh, Jedi around, or so to speak. You know, you know to bring all the balance, acting it to balance itself out. You could have done that and left Palpatine being somebody because you don't need to give Palpatine any reason to try to dominate, control, and or kill someone. That, that that's his mo. That's his gig. So you know, that's his brown eyed girl. He's gonna want to either have you by his side, obedient, or he was gonna want you dead, and those those are the two settings he comes from. So, um, I think you know it would have been fine. It would have it would have created an, an interesting dynamic for Ray to still be dealing with those hangups of no, you were abandoned. No, you're nobody. And, you know, and her having to come to terms with all that in the way that Luke had to come to terms with no, not only are you not nobody, you're the most somebody out of all nobodies. Because your daddy is the biggest villain the galaxy's ever seen. So, Eric, you said you liked Solo. Um, Solo. And I, did, I, would yes. agree, I would agree with you. I, I liked Solo as well. But I will say this. Going into Solo, I was one of those saying that, you know, of all of the new movies that we could be creating right now, this is not one that I really need to see because... You know, again, I've said it on the podcast many times before. It's like, what are you going to you know, show me the Kessel Run? You know, it's like we we know that all the people in this ship are going to make it out, except for maybe you know, there's a couple that we can, you know, maybe we'll lose them, maybe we won't. You know, um, but still, I found myself gripping the seat, you know, during the Kessel Run sequence. But one of the criticisms of that movie was that it was it was all the beats. It was like. Hey, and here's how Han got his name. And hey, here's how Han met Chewie. And hey, here's how Han got his blaster. And hey, here's how Han got the Falcon. Was that was that almost too much? But it, you know, of of but the if, it, if it's never, 
if it's ever been established before, would you need to know that? I mean, as a solo fan, I would like to know that. And I, you know, it wasn't just, I don't think it was just fan service just to be thrown in. I think we kind of would like to maybe need and or would like to know that a little background of his character, you know? I think it was really great to show his hero's journey. It, you know, when we met him in uh, New Hope, he didn't want to help them. Oh, yeah, I'm out for myself. You know, he won, you know, oh, she's a princess. Oh, there's a reward, that kind of thing. He wasn't always like that. When he met Kira, he loved her and he wanted to take care of her. And I think it's interesting to see him go from a caring person to all. We talked about hope before, right? One of the beats of Star Wars is one of the tent poles is hope. His hope is gone. You know, he's out for himself. He's bitter. He's jaded. But then he comes back to help the rebellion at the end. It becomes, you know, he becomes almost whole again. So I think that was integral in the part of, of of seeing that that journey of his. So how about how about Darth Maul at the end? Total fan service. <laughs> yeah, that was a, I I liked it, but I gotta agree, man. It was a little fan servicey, but I liked it. I didn't hate it, but it was fan servicey. Yeah, again, I've said it a gazillion times. I think I think what would have made me go is if it would have been Boba Fett or or Jabba the Hutt, especially if it oh, was Jabba, just. Yeah. But especially if it was just Boba Fett, you know, just in, you know, as maybe the he was the one who's going to be talking to whoever's in charge, you know, or something that would have because because to me, Maul has no link to the solo story whatsoever. Now he does. But, you know, it's like <laughs> it just seemed like, you know, shoehorned in there. So I guess what we're trying to get into is, you know, the question of, you know, what is what is good fan service? I guess go around the horn. What people? How do how do people? What what do the four of us think is good fan service, and what is something that makes us groan? Well, I guess good fan service is like like Dave said. You know, listen to the fans, but you can't take it a hundred percent. You know, credence from what they say. You know, take it as gospel. You know, you know, make sure you have the ten poles. Like I said before, make sure you listen to the fans and take take some of their input, but not be beholden all to the fans. I think it's important not just to throw things in to throw things in. Like I made that analogy before about the about the the Mad Libs, you know, make sure it kind of has a purpose, you know. I think if you do all those things, I think it'd be good fan service rather than the bad just kind of throw everything a pot and there you go. Here's your favorite characters. Go at it, you know. Make of it what you will. So I think if it has all those things, it's good fan service. Dave? Are, are we building on what we've seen before? Uh, you know, callbacks are great. Um Listening to the fans are, is great, um, but you know it. It really doesn't work for me unless you're building something new and interesting out of what's come before. And I go back to the ice cream machine example because this is the perfect example. Um, this is a callback for the fans, um, but it you're establishing something new that we didn't know before and you're, you're developing the lore and the overall universe and you're making things bigger. And we talk about the problem sometimes with star Wars is when it contracts too much. It's like, Oh, it's just about this family or it's just about these people who all happen to be related to one another. And so I think when star Wars, um, is at its best is when it's giving us something new or expanding upon what's already been established. So and be, so like for me that 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 kind of fan service is is the successful fan service. So before I toss it to Fredo because what you were saying Dave is what I was just thinking about the Mandalorian where 
because I'm thinking about that, you know, in the gallery when, you know, John Favreau is all, you know, he's all proud of the ice cream maker. He's all proud of the gun that, you know, that the Mandalorian has that was from the holiday special. And George Lucas is like, whatever, you know, it's like <laughs> of all the things that are in the Mandalorian, the one bit of fan service that actually does what you're talking about is baby Yoda. It's like, it's, looks like Yoda, but it's not Yoda. And it makes us go, what is this about? Where, what, you know, all the other things that are in there, Jawas, you know, you know, salacious crumb getting cooked, you know, the Java door knockers, stormtroopers, those are all cool. But the baby Yoda made us all go, what, 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 you know, that, I, that so I think that was to your point, that was the thing that propels the story and is well done. Could it have been any other creature? Absolutely. Could have been any other creature, but to make it that creature, you know, is I think a good marriage of, of the two. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's the best possible example. I mean, it really is, but you know, again, to your point, there's a lot of those other elements that are great too. So like, have we, one of the, on one of our episodes, we talked about the stormtroopers that were like kind of huddled around Werner Herzog and like, what's this all about? We've never seen stormtroopers that look this ragged and look like they're kind of on the run or in peril. Right. Um, you're, you're giving us a new spin on something that we've seen before. Um, and in the process, you're telling us an interesting new story too. Um, so you're giving her own project life. When you do that, when you lean into these elements that already exist, but you re kind of purpose them or redefine them in a way. And Yoda, baby Yoda, you know, ultimate example of that. So Fredo, what about you? What, what is good for fan service to you? I think uh, good fan service. Uh, and I agree a hundred percent with everything what you guys have said, because that's really uh, the mark of good fan service. To me, when I think of it, I think first of all, the intent behind it, why are you doing it? I mean, because it's a right to even throw a, a little bit better of a joke, even if it's as simple as Boba Fett turning around and staring at the at the audience in that special edition of A New Hope. It, it can be done right. It doesn't have to be gigantic. But I think that the best example of fan service is when it allows us to recontextualize uh, what we know of the characters of the setting of the world at large. You know, think... Think of something like uh, L three three seven from Solo. You know, you know now you know the fact that her mind is in the brain, the brain of the Millennium Falcon. You didn't know that before Solo. Not necessarily fan service, but now when you go back and watch Empire and see that scene where three PO is telling uh, Han about not knowing where he didn't know where ship, learn how to talk. You know, we know we got that bit of information. We didn't need it, but it it really did something that uh, helps us to uh, come to a better understanding of the ship, is it the, the relationship Hanwell has with the Falcon, you know, which again, later on down the line, when we see him again in Force Awakens, and he steps foot right once again into the Millennium Falcon, it's why when he says, truly we're home, it lands like a like a hundred bricks on top of your head, because you know that it means a lot to him. So there's a, there's a band, and it, kind of uh, start wrapping things up because it's uh, getting late out in Florida. 
<laughs> but uh, you know, there's a, I'll, I'll end with this little story. There's a band that uh, I'd go to Irish music festivals um, every year. And uh, there's a band that made the rounds to these fest festivals all the time. Big, big name. I'll, I'll leave their name out of it. And it was like the first time I saw them, I was really excited. Second time I saw them, I was like, oh, wow, they're, they're doing a lot of the same songs. By the third time I saw them, it was like, they're not just doing the same songs. They're doing the same set. <laughs> and, you know, so I think it's, I think Star Wars has to be careful. I totally agree with you with those tent poles. But the more and more, the thing that worries me with the, like with the Mandalorian is that there were so many callbacks that is it going to be, all right, we got to go into our garage and find all the things so that we can keep, you know, 47 year old Aaron happy because he saw the thing or they said the word or, you know, all these, instead of, like you said, just make a good Star Wars story that has those tent poles that you're talking about. So, uh, but like I said, that band, it was just like, we, st we stopped going to see that band because it was like, uh, I could, I could do their set right now. You know, I can tell you exactly <laughs> what they're moving on to. Um, whereas then I go to my, my favorite band, Pearl Jam, you know, it's like a different set every show. And it actually would frustrate the band members because Eddie Vedder would be writing you know, this set list and they're like, where are the hits? And he's like, no, this is a good thing. This is taking the audience somewhere, but those fans stick with them, even through all the deep cuts and obscure songs that they put in a show. So I don't know, final thoughts around the horn. And a part of me wants to kind of bring this up. I don't know how much time you have. You probably want to wrap oh, it up, but no, you guys... anytime you want, anytime you want, it's all good. Oh, that's awesome, man. Yeah, I appreciate Once again, I appreciate you having me on. It's, it's an honor and a pleasure to be on with you, gentlemen. And it, it's nice talking the wards with somebody who is not doing it for clout and for this or for that, but for the love of the uh, love of the game, so to speak. So you guys are awesome. I appreciate it, the opportunity. But um, one thing I was going to bring up is, um, do you think, just the rise of technology and the, the amount of Star Wars available to consume today, do you think Do you think the, the, the change in fan mindset, the vitriol is, is kind of, it comes from just the access that they have. What I mean by that is we're all around the same age, I suppose. I'm 44, so I'm right on you guys' age. I'm OG just like the rest of you. And after 83, you guys remember, what do we have, the droids animated special or whatever we had? You know, there wasn't a whole lot of toys out. I had a mail away for the Emperor Palpatine action figure. Nowadays, you can get anything to drop off a dime on the internet or, or you, know, uh, you know, Star Wars cover bands, you know, songs about Star Wars, art about Star Wars. But back in 83, 84, 85, 87, they didn't have that. So I was grateful for any crumb they had, any little droids cartoon series. I was that's not a piece of art. It's it's all right, but I was I was all into it. The Ewok series, all into it because that's all we had, you know. Now you can get it to drop of the dime. So anything new comes out, eh, it's all right. I can get it anytime I want. And so maybe that drives their minds a little bit. And not that I say they should accept crap, but I think they should be a little bit more grateful. As at least we have Star Wars because us OGs, there was a lot of lean years where we didn't have anything. But that's just my two cents. I love I would, it. Yeah. yeah, I would agree. I would agree with you. Um, it's also it, it shouldn't be surprising that um, we're wondering why you know maybe Solo didn't do so well at the box office is because whoever has ever experienced a Star Wars movie coming out six months after the previous one, you know, it's like to a lot of people, didn't Star Wars just came out? Oh, this must be the mm -hmm. same movie. 
So I, I think there were, I think, I think Lucasfilm and Disney have to, and maybe they're taking this time to figure out what their overall game plan is. You know, um, Marvel's gotten used to that a little bit, you know, but, um, but it's not, those are, yeah. So I, I, but Star Wars fans were, were not used to that. Um, but I do, I think there's also, you know, I've talked about it before, you know, the instant gratification where, um, like my nieces and nephews, they grew up, they, you know, you watch Empire Strikes Back, the very next thing you can do is just put in Return of the Jedi to get the conclusion right away. You didn't have to wait two, three years, you know, and have that speculation. Um, so I, th I think there's some of that and the internet gives us a lot of, like I said, that instant gratification and a sounding post. I, I think there are more fans like us than there are the, the squeaky wheels that, you know, continually just gripe about anything. I've seen it get I've seen it get so bad on Facebook one time the Star Wars the actual Star Wars Facebook group page and and I'm trying to remember not to hold up the show but I'm trying to remember it was like an artwork I think it was the uh, some 14 year old girls it was beautiful it was Leia in the Boosh bounty hunter outfit you know Return of the Jedi whatever and then uh, you know they post or whatever check out this great artwork by so and so 14 years old or whatever and the first couple of comments are like hey man the last Jedi sucked I'm like that has nothing to do with what you're like we heard you already I I, I can't stand it man sorry <laughs> yeah. I think the bar too, like to your point, Eric, is like the bar has been raised um, because there is so much more. This is like you can be more of a discerning customer because there is literally no. I mean, there might be one or two billionaires out there who could be like, "I'm going to consume every piece of Star Wars and I can afford it, and I'm going to buy everything that there is." But most of us have to pick and choose, right? Um, and because there is so much of it now, uh, and like you said, we were we were begging for table scraps back in the day, but now, uh, you know, I can choose. I'm going to read this novel. Eh, I'm not going to read this other novel. Eh, I'm going to read this comic series. Eh, I'm not going to. I'm not going to watch Rebels because you know I'm not really into cartoons. You know, um, I'm not going to play the new video game because I prefer this other video game. You know, there's there's just a wealth of options. And I think, like, I think that's something to be celebrated in a way because I think a lot of people just get caught up in where certain things don't measure up for them and when they maybe should just be looking at it differently, which is there are certain things that measure up beautifully for me and like match me they match my personality this is this is my star wars this is this is this is my version of it and i love it and i live in a world where i get to have it <laughs> i mean not all star wars has to be all of that for everybody um and so like i would i guess i that's that would be my closing thought would be just i think i would argue that a diverse Star Wars universe is a really wonderful thing. I guess my my thought and my thought I would say we're lucky. Uh, touch on what Eric said. You know, we're lucky because we live in an age where you don't have to go far to connect with fans of Star Wars. You don't have to struggle, you know, to you know start out what the next project's gonna be. There's enough material coming out. I mean, we talk about it every week. The book series, TV show, web series, comic books, movies, you know, 
Star Wars is an empire of product that's going to be with us for the foreseeable future. So we can, as you said, Dave, we can pick and choose what we want, but we are lucky in at this time that we can have so much of it. And I think um, as we get a lot of it, it uh, behooves us to kind of recognize that, yeah, not everything's going to be made to me every time. Just as I was saying uh, in the news section, uh, that there's uh, the whole series of Mandalorian books are going to be in at all at different ages. Some stuff's going to be made for me. Some stuff's not going to be made for me. It's maybe going to be made more for Olivia or might be made more for somebody else. And I think we have to be cognizant of that. that that's a good thing because it allows for every one of us to get a piece of Star Wars and we can say, yeah, this is mine. You know, if you like Han Solo, you can watch, grab the Solo movie. If you gravitate towards Ray or Jim, you can gravitate towards those. If you love the Mandalorian, that can be your Star Wars. And you don't necessarily have to be, it used to be a time where you only got a movie every three years or every, every uh, three decades or so. And you, you know, be, be lucky, peasant. That's all you're going to get. And you have to make do with that. Now you swim in a sea of it and you can grab and hold on to whichever one you like or whatever aspect you like. And you got to be respectful that some other fans are going to gravitate towards other parts of it. And that's a good thing. That, that more more of it for more people that allows them to feel part and connected is a good thing. So, hey, this is a great conversation tonight. Uh, I just wish it could have been around a table with some beer because then I think it would have been even even, uh, even more fired up and awesome. Uh, but I have to leave you with this totally. I've um, got Twitter over here on the right and um, saw that Vanilla Ice is trending on Twitter. And he has, he's going to be performing in Texas for thousands of people. And his quote was, we didn't have coronavirus in the 1990s. Ugh. Okay, but by the way, the, you know, I, I will challenge that thousands of people's line. The last time I remember hearing about, about Vanilla Ice is, and, and I'll date myself, is when he played at Kenny's Key West in Metairie, Louisiana, for yeah. less than 100 people. Oh, yeah. Yeah, let, let's not go there. I mean, look, you're going to get Ice Ice Baby, you're going to get Ninja Rap, and that's it. Thank you for coming. <laughs> you just, I, I didn't even, I, I was trying to think of a second Vanilla Ice, you know, anyway. Um, yeah. Maybe if we're lucky, Shook Knight will hang him out over a balcony, yeah. you know, for fun. Yeah. Uh, go Ninja, go Ninja, go, go Ninja, go Ninja, go. Oh, that's right. I did the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. That's right, wasn't it? Okay, got it. Uh, my, my thought is, we're, we're never. My thought is, we're never getting sports back. I'm like, great. <laughs> yeah, it's just no. Don't have a no ice concert. I want to see football, please. Yeah. But, if your choice is like Texas, if your choice is Vanilla Ice or the Texas Longhorns or the Dallas Cowboys, which one do you really want? Oh man, that's like bad game of Kiss Mary Kill or whatever. Yeah, I'm, I'm, just, I'm changing it for family yeah. friendly here. But anyway, um, with that, we will start to wrap things up for tonight. I want to thank Eric again for um, joining us tonight. You want to, again, why don't you go ahead and plug your podcast and where people can find you online? I appreciate that. Yeah, it's the uh, Five of the Back Soccer Podcast. It's uh, five Americans um, just kind of sitting there chatting about the English Premier League. And uh, we are on Apple, um, 
the Apple Podcasts, the Google Podcasts, Google Play, whatever you call it. I'm an Apple guy, I don't know, but Google Podcasts um, and Spotify as well. And where you can be found on Twitter at F I V E A T B um, on Twitter and our F uh, number five A T B pod on Instagram and, and Gmail if you want to email us too. So, right on. Fredo, cool, Fredo, you want to come in and talk Gunners? Absolutely. Absolutely. Let me know when. All right, man. That's awesome. If if you wanna if you wanna have fun, you know, have me on your podcast. I don't know crap about soccer. I'll just say <laughs> say dumb things that will make you all mad. So uh, that's why I've never gone down to Finns to watch any games with any of my friends because I don't want to be that guy that <laughs> they're like, Aaron, just go away. Just go. No, away. <laughs> look, you can come to Finns. Look, you just you know, you just drink beer and watch us all you know rage at a TV screen for ninety minutes. We all just have to do that. So, uh, hey, everybody have a wonderful uh, long weekend. And um, and uh, I don't know how we're all going to be celebrating with everybody being in quarantine and lockdown and everything like that. But probably the less celebrating, the better. Just watch Star Wars movies and chill out. That's probably a good way to spend the, the weekend. But until then, you can find us online um, on Facebook and Twitter, the Who Dat Jedi podcast. Um, we're also, we as well are on Apple podcasts and on Google podcasts and on Podbean. And, um, uh, like I said, follow us on all those platforms and get the latest, uh, our latest musings of, of star Wars and other geekdom. So, um, with that, we will wrap things up and say, who dat, who dat, who dat, Oh, Eric, you said who that? Are you just forced to, or are you a, are you a Saints fan uh, as well? Uh, no, I'm being, no, I got to follow my Dolphins. I'm from South Florida, man. But uh, no, I'm being nice. Win in Rome, you got to do, you know, and I, I'm a Knoll, so you got to take care of my boy Winston. Take good care of him. Oh, man. I forgot that he was on our team until a couple days ago. Yeah. So. <laughs> <laughs> no, with that, I'm going to go have a beer. Hey, everybody, have a wonderful <laughs> week. We'll see you online. Have a great, great uh, night. Thank you.